and welcome everybody to another episode of the Thick and Thin Podcast. As always, it's me, Anthony Cardoza. Today, we have a wonderful, wonderful guest for you. Please welcome Amelia. Woo! <laughs> Hi, Amelia. Hi. How are you doing tonight? I'm good. Good, good. So, we're going to do a recovery episode, guys. And what that's going to be about is we're going to talk about some addiction, some recovery, and sort of the journey in between. One thing I did want to touch base on, I know when we do these recovery episodes, guys, they're targeted mainly for people with addiction problems or can, you know, share a similar story. Ideally, the idea is to spread a little bit of strength, courage, and hope. However, this is for everyone, guys. We want to make sure that whether you're a user, a non-user, a family member, you get some kind of understanding of this pandemic that's really taken over and cost a lot of people their lives. And fortunately, we have some people that have some recovery and that are willing to share their experience. So... That's ultimately the idea, right? Yeah. I'm I'm happy to be someone that's qualified to do such a thing. Yeah, and it's really point. it really is a good thing. And um you know, we met through a, a gym and we met through a healthy hobby of yours. Mm-hmm. Why don't you just tell us a little bit about Amelia before we get into anything? Okay. Well So we, where are you from originally? How about I'm that? I'm from Oregon mm-hmm. and I started doing Muay Thai in Oregon. Um Eventually, I made my way to Washington, and then I made it to Southern California. And I actually came here through uh, having friends that I met through doing Muay Thai. Mm-hmm. So there was like an Oregon Muay Thai camp that people from all over the country came to. So that's how I met a lot of the. I think I actually heard about that. Did, do they still do that? Uh, I think they might have not done it this yeah, last I remember year, but it they've was done it for like twenty yeah, five yeah. years. Uh-huh. Gyms maybe? from all over would go there, yeah. and I actually heard about that. I wanted to do that back in the day. And if you guys see Amelia, I'll say it because um, obviously she doesn't want to talk about herself like this. But Amelia is a very pretty young lady. <laughs> Amelia is very, um, and the reason I say this too is because sometimes we get these characters on, like my brother, who's a uh, two hundred sixty-five pound uh, cholo-looking Mexican. My other friend Momo, who's on here talking about. You know, his crazy life is, he looks like an ex-cholo kind of thing. Good looking guys, great guys. But, you know, Amelia is a very blue-eyed, blonde-haired, <laughs> <laughs> very athletic, very pretty um, on paper from Torrance. She's got a little dog named Bailey who's sitting next to her and she carries her in her purse. <laughs> so, <laughs> what I want to say is, is at first sight, and I think you've kind of touched on this a little bit in explaining to me, some people might not understand that the where you come from and that you've actually really gone through some shit. Yeah. And I yeah. think you've told me and expressed to yourself how sometimes that gets backdoored a little bit, like the experience that you've got. And you feel like sometimes you don't even have, you've, you want to say a little bit about that just because. Yeah. I think like, I don't know exactly how to explain that, but it's kind of like, um, you just never know by looking at somebody, mm-hmm. you know, you let, you really don't know by like looking at anyone. And like you said, like white girl, blonde hair, blue eyes lives in Torrance, like you'd assume like you probably had a pretty cush situation, yeah. you know, yeah. or like in like the aspect of uh, recovery, I think it's very like inclusive. Mm-hmm. Like if, if you are with people who have good recovery, it's very like inclusive. But like, if you're someone who like, maybe you're thinking about getting sober or want to get sober and you look like you have your shit together, it could be hard to, kind of be supported in that by like the people in in your life you know like they're like dude you're fine you don't have to worry about it and like nobody really knows what's going on like in your head behind the scenes and that's why i wanted to say it was because i think a lot of times it's 
if people think we get into this this vortex of uh, you said it earlier as a pissing contest of mm-hmm. who's got it worse. And it's, oh, my mom died at this age. Well, my mom died before I met her. Well, my dad died before <laughs> right. I even was born. <laughs> like, right. you know, you get into this, you know, whose life is harder and who's got the harder struggle. And it's it's really not about that. But unfortunately, sometimes you could feel like an outcast in that prospect if you didn't have, you know, that gang-related mother or something like that. Or, you right. know? Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. So that's why I, I wanted to bring it up to you because even unfortunately um, – you know, we can't help but sometimes put labels on people and can't help to jump to some conclusions. And up until this last time we hung out, you told me some parts of your story that I was fucking blown away by. I know. And, <laughs> uh, and we're going to get into that today. And the reason I'm talking right now is this. I want to, you guys to get to know Amelia um, from how I know her, which is just a great teammate, funny person, that sort of thing. And, you know, when you were telling me that sometimes it feels like people... You didn't tell me this directly, but you got I, what I got out of it was sometimes you feel like people put your addiction down as if you didn't have it as hard as them, maybe, or something because you're so you know you're a pretty white girl that you don't fucking know what it's like to be this or that and yeah. that sort of thing. You know what I mean? So I think I experienced that with one particular mm-hmm. person mm-hmm. that in in my life that's close to me who, you know, I don't know if that's actually what they think or not, but that's right. like how I interpret it. But I think it's something we do to ourselves a right. lot of the time mm-hmm. too, like. Mm-hmm. like if you are with people who have good recovery like and you're like yo i'm struggling they're just like okay come on get sober we'll help you but like in it's like kind of a psychological thing like within yourself too is like oh like you hear that from so many people like oh well i didn't lose my job or i didn't lose my car or, like we all have our own personal right. like checkbox of like what we think an alcoholic or a drug addict exactly. looks like exactly. and, and what if, their rock bottom is and yeah that sort of thing and for yes. you uh you know, which was interesting about you, and we're going to get into your story, was I felt like the reason you stopped wasn't at your rock bottom. You kind of had a, a, a different issue that you faced some crazy things. You got a little bit better, and then just after a while, we're like, fuck that, I'm done kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is so interesting. But when you told yeah. me about you getting clean, you obviously weren't telling me about your rock bottom or like one of your lowest points. So I was like, oh, well, it's good that you caught it before it got bad. But right, right, right. little did I know that it shit got crazy. <laughs> so yeah. I just want to say that whether whatever your background is if you feel like you're struggling um and maybe you're not at all if you're not please just take this as a lesson to you know what not to do or maybe you can understand where some addicts that you know because everyone's got some experience whether they you know immediate family or extended whatever the case is so take that as a positive uh, message towards them maybe change your attitude a little bit um but overall if you're struggling and it's and you feel like there's some kind of recovery that needs to happen it doesn't matter what you're going through you'll find that with this that guy that is a gang leader and, you know, did all this crazy shit to get his drug versus this, uh, let's say a suburban mom fucking that drinks wine. They have so much in common because Mm -hmm. the self loss, the self worth, all those kind of things is the reason why we drink, why we use. It's not actually just cause I mean, some people just love drugs, but it's pretty rare. There's usually a lot of psychological background and stuff that comes with it. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think we all love drugs, but we, we love them. The way you said it, we all love drugs. (laughs) But like, like that's like one component is right. like yes i like getting fucked up and then i feel like on the other hand it's like oh i like also just don't like experiencing life as it is exactly you know mm-hmm. and it's like that combination that's mm-hmm. like treacherous right and the way we 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 all go through it maybe in a, the way we articulate it the way we express ourselves is a little bit different but it all comes from these root problems of trauma um self-esteem issues all that kind of stuff so mm-hmm. let's get into your story a little bit let's just start with um what age did you start using and what was your thing of choice you got and just tell us a little bit about yourself what it was like okay so i was 
it's interesting when i was like in in middle school and stuff i was like the prude kid mm. i was like the one who like didn't like all my friends were smoking weed and you know my dad has history of substance abuse my sister's history of substance abuse so i i thought it was like bad like i didn't want to yeah. go down mm -hmm. that route you know and when i was 15 14 15 um i had really bad problems at home we talked about that you know a little bit when i was telling you some of my story but i had problems at home and i moved out when i was 15 and like it was just off to the races um from that point so you know it started with like smoking weed and like drinking was i could never drink that much i get mm. so <laughs> i get so sick from drinking but like it pretty quickly went from like smoking weed and drinking to like doing ecstasy doing coke smoking salvia um what else do we do acid mushroom like whatever was available to us at, mm. at the time you know that's it it started pretty quickly mm -hmm. from from whenever i like just changed my mind and yeah, was like that, fuck it, it this is late you know switch, yeah yeah and we're and uh, I'll say this too. We're kind of the people that when you decide to do something, you fucking go in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're going in. Yeah. <laughs> we're going in hard. Yeah. So you start doing. Uh, did you run away and then start doing these things, or was it sort of the problems? We don't have to get into it either. The problems that sort of compounded to where you're just like, fuck it, I'm gonna start doing this kind of thing. Uh, you know, honestly, I don't remember. I might have been like, probably just maybe had smoked a few times, like. I don't remember exactly where my use was at when I left my mom's house, but like, um, but I left home and I think at that point I was so just like kind of jaded, like, and kind of disappointed with like life. And I had like a lot of like emotional shit going on, you know, when things are like really bad at home and you don't know, like, you know, you don't know where to go or where you fit in with things. Like you see other kids living like a totally normal life and you're like, dude, my shit's totally fucked up. And then like, then there's just like this supplement there that's like, oh, you could just fucking have a great time whenever you want, whenever you take any substance you want to put in your body. And I was like, this is great. I don't know why I thought there was <laughs> anything wrong with this. Like, mm -hmm. you know, it's like just being disenfranchised, I think, by life at that time that once I was out and my life was like fully in my control and I think my main objective was like I just want to like have a good time and like feel good and like not feel bad anymore and not you know? to mention just being 15 by itself a 15 year old girl dude, I see what? 15 year olds now and I'm like dude that's it they're they're a child yeah. still mm -hmm. but like I really thought that I was like grown and able to make my own decisions you know mm -hmm. and like yeah every time I see a 15 year old it's like freaks me out yeah right so you're you're out on your own you're you're sort of using and stuff like that when does it become sort of when do you have your first sort of brush with maybe this isn't the smartest thing or you know because obviously it's good for a while for most of us right yeah so i didn't realize this at the time i didn't <clears throat> ever like get perspective on this until i got sober but i was two weeks late to my junior year in high school because i was like doing coke and partying two two weeks late yeah like school started oh and i like didn't <laughs> i was like two weeks late yeah. <laughs> yeah like school started and i was like basically i was like i don't want to go to school yeah. anymore like i don't i don't want to i just want to like you know i was wild i was like i'm i'm living my life i'm doing my thing i don't like school like whatever and um i was living with my uh boyfriend's mom on on and off at the time and 
she kind of like psychologically tricked me. She was like, oh, if you're really um, a grown up, if you're really an adult, then you would know that you need to finish school. Mm-hmm. And, and so she psychologically got me because I was like, no, I'm really a grown up. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll finish school, mm-hmm. you know, so, so she got me there. But um, so at this time, you're already completely on your own now with your. Yeah, I had like, um, I lived with my friends' families. So it wasn't like I was like homeless mm. on the streets. Like yeah. I had places to stay, but you know, I mean, these are parents who are just taking in a kid cause they're like, you know, we know you're a good kid and like, we love you and we care about you and we want to, you know, you need somewhere to go, but like, it's kind of hard to parent someone else's child. Yeah. So it's like, mm-hmm. it's kind of a, a weird relationship. It's like, we're going to look after you. We're going to make sure you have somewhere to sleep, stuff to eat, but like, you're kind of already... I don't know how to explain it. You're, yeah. you're, you're kind of like, it's not the same like mother daughter relationship. No. It's kind of more like a mentorship or something like yeah, that. Because at the same point, you're not their kid. So they can't, you know, flip you flip out. And, but at the same, like I was in the very same situation. My buddy Richard's mom had taken me in when I was around 15 or 16. I lived with them for a year and stuff. And, with her, I was so grateful that I was very respectful, which it yeah. sounds like you probably were too, yeah, you know? Yeah, for sure. And she never said you have to go to school, but I went to school and she would be like, did you do your homework? Did you do this? Like I would do chores and do whatever she asked me to do and that sort of thing. So, but like you said, it wasn't exactly my parents. So uh, there's a lot of love there, but yeah. at the same point, like you're missing out on that fundamental, right. you know, that aspect. Right. And like to that, to that same point kind of with like, just being a teenager, like lots of teenagers are going out and partying and doing shit on mm-hmm. the weekends too. So like, even if say that like was my parent, like there's still a certain level of like freedom that you have at that age mm-hmm. to, to be doing stuff. It's just like, if you kind of have that underlying, I want to say fucked upness, but if you like have that, that underlying issue, it's just, you're, you're feeding that kind of like addiction cycle already that like escapist cycle already with like what could be like a normal weekend for another person is like your escape of reality right. starting. Mm-hmm. So you, you stay with them till you're 18 ready to graduate or? Uh, I think I left actually. I ended up moving back. I don't remember where I went to live after that. I ended up leaving before I was like the end of my senior year in high school. Mm-hmm. I had decided I wanted to go back to my hometown I had left with this family. I, we, we were like two hours away near like Portland, basically. Mm-hmm. I'm from Eugene. Um, but so I had done really bad in school when I was like living in Eugene with, mm-hmm. with my mom. And like, if you look at my high school transcripts, it would be like all like failing and no pass, like dropping classes and stuff. And then when I like went and lived with my boyfriend's mom, it was like structured and I was safe. And so I would get great grades when I was there because I'm like a good student um so somehow I went from like maybe not being able to graduate to catching up on all my credits and being able to graduate early so mm. I just dipped and right. then and then went back to Eugene mm-hmm. I don't remember what happened <laughs> okay so <laughs> so let's, so we're about 18 and, yeah. and this time you're still steadily kind of using your, your grades are doing better you got some separation yeah. from your family um, how do you feel about, did you, uh, did you just have normal experience? Cause we've all had some, some crazy shit go down when we were younger, especially before we realized it's really a problem, but we're mm. still partying and stuff. Did you have anything that stood out as that, at that age or maybe well, an idea of this isn't something that we should be doing? Like the foreshadowing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One of my best friends and I like 
We had a summer, a couple summers where we were just doing a lot of coke. Mm. Like we just like love like, and, and, <laughs> and like, mind you, we're like young, pretty girls yeah. and we're hanging out, <laughs> we're hanging out with like 25, 26 year old drug dealers oh, who like, were so nice to us though. They were they, 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 <laughs> sweetest guys. <laughs> they were though. Like they never like tried to like hook up with us or anything. They were mm. just like glad we were hanging out. They're yeah. like, oh, they're pretty. They're yeah, young. Yeah, pretty like, girls with you. Yeah, yeah. like uh-huh. it's fine. Like don't scare them away. Just you know, let them kick it. So that's so funny. So <laughs> it, it, it was because really our guys were the opposite. It would it'd be like with us, but all the guys that got drugs were the older ones, and they were just creepy. This one guy, Sebo, like I remember there was this girl there, and he's like, these young books. They don't know how to satisfy girls. I'll give you seven orgasms before they give you one. And all of a sudden, the girl just grabs my arm. <laughs> I was like, I'm so sorry, but he's got the drugs. Like, we got to put up with this for like another 20 minutes. Right, right. I, well, actually, one of them. So it was like these two guys. Mm-hmm. One of them was always saying creepy shit like there that. You go. But, <laughs> but he had great coke. But, <laughs> but he didn't like, he didn't make it uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. You know, he was just right. like, he wasn't going to like try anything. He wasn't like predatory. He just was like. You know, and, and that's one of the dangerous sick, things, though, is that jokes. you can get drugs as a pretty girl, mm-hmm. you know, and like as a guy, I ain't going to go to some dude like, hey, what's up? <laughs> Hang out. Like, get the fuck out of here. What do you got? You know? Yeah. There there was one dude that uh, he gave us free coke all night just to like chop up his lines for him. <laughs> and we were like, oh, OK, <laughs> yes. Right. Like, of yeah. course, we would love to. Like, yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? Like, this is. Did you like give him his line? So you had like a full service like I cocktail. Mean, yeah, just. we would just chop them up, line it up, and then, you know, yeah, his we get ours. We're like, this is great. You but know? to him, he's like, I'm a pimp kind of yeah, thing, baller, yeah. big time. Yeah. That's, okay. Yeah. So um, that would be tight, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like a cool. win-win for yeah, everybody. Like, bring me a drink, time. you know. <laughs> but um, I think that was like the first thing that I was like, knew that I needed to pull back from because mm-hmm. my my friend who I was partying with, I mean, I'm sure we were both skinny, but she was like losing a lot of weight like we're like having heart palpitations when we're trying to go to sleep at night and like you know just bloody nose you know the shit that comes along when you're like doing you know coke every night all night so but it's funny because you're like you know the regular stuff but it's like people that don't do that i'm like what heart palpitations (laughs) (laughs) bloody noses yeah so so that was a, a point in time where i was like okay we have to like pull back here you know like and me and my friend ended up kind of having a falling out. Um, but I didn't by any means think like, oh, I need to get sober. I just thought like I need to do less cocaine, you know? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> that was, so that was the first like maybe like foreshadowing, mm, I okay. think, of, of a time when like, because of course like, you know, there was like sometimes I did ecstasy when I was younger that like I ended up really like embarrassing myself because I was like just acting so outrageous and out of character right um and you, you, you almost think it's cool too like i'm so oh for me at least well, i'm like those ones are really embarrassing i mean i was like <laughs> begging people to like make out with make out with yeah <laughs> i remember i was at this party and i took like three e-pills and i sniffed like two and i was like lit i was pretty yeah, lit but i wasn't yeah, yeah. that crazy but i remember i was leaning against the pole acting like i couldn't see yeah, and people yeah. were like man anthony's messed up and i was like yeah everyone's looking at me right. <laughs> and i looked back <laughs> and i'm like so horrified and we we're at billy's steps house shout out billy <laughs> and i was just so embarrassed when i think about it like i was like oh my god like i wasn't that messed up people were probably like that's disgusting and i'm like okay, i look right. so cool <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> yeah oh god anyway so 
Okay, so we're getting we're into our 18. We're, we're, we're semi-adults. Um, where are you at in life now? Fuck, man. Where was I at in life? I mean, I had a job. Mm-hmm. I think I went to... I think... Okay. And w- one of the things, too, is you've always told me you've always been an earner. You've always had yeah, work. Yeah, you've yeah, always yeah. I always, always made money. Mm-hmm. I, d- I didn't want to be unhappy, and I didn't want to be poor. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> those were, like, my two, like, objectives in life. Right. <laughs> um, I think... I don't remember where exactly I live, but I ended up living with my dad for mm-hmm. a little while. My dad and my stepmom and my stepsister. There was four of us in a one bedroom mm-hmm. at the time. And uh, God, I don't, I can't remember what <laughs> happened from eighteen to, you know, I don't know. We were also doing a lot of Adderall at that age Mm -hmm. because at some point i started going to community college and like that's like a great thing for a student i mean i don't recommend it but like if you're a student and you like are a procrastinator and you like stay up you you need to stay up late and pull an all-nighter and do your homework it's very effective that's like the the college drugs at all which people don't if you don't know it's just taking really if you have add or adhd they prescribe you ritalin you take it and it's pretty much meth it's prescription yeah. meth. It's what yeah. it is. You can we, we were doing Adderall in high school, mm-hmm. too, now yeah. that I think about it. Yeah, our friends in high school were doing it because we all had ADHD. Everyone had a prescription. Yeah. I never did it, but my friends would take it, and they would just be fucking twacked out. You know, It's yeah, the same yeah. thing as meth. So people yeah. that are like, I've only done Adderall. I'm like, that's fucking meth. <laughs> okay, so <I've laughs> Poor done. man's meth. You so know? I've done meth. Yeah. <laughs> no, not you, but I'm saying. You know what I mean? Like when people are, I can never do heroin. I just take fucking 30 oxys a day or 20 right, vitamins. Right, right. I'm like, that's the rich man's yeah, heroin. Yeah. You know, yeah, like, rich yeah. man coke is... It's coke. If yeah. meth is the poor man, you know what I mean. Yes. They have those things. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And, and those are like little things that we tell ourselves too. To, to, exactly. Because to, it's like, oh, I. I mean, I love pills. Like yeah. I love pills, and like a prescription pill makes me feel like I'm doing something that's like not that bad. Right. So it's like a, you know, one of those little things that can help us justify like our use. If it's like, oh, this was prescribed by a doctor to like someone, you know. To someone. <laughs> 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 yeah no it's very it's very true if you're taking um uh, you know like you said it's oh, my doctor gave me these but you you don't follow the prescription you do with this or a lot of times if i got vicodin i would let my injury i would get hurt i would try to you know white knuckle it through my injury and then once i was better i'm like now i could take my vicodin because <laughs> right. now i'm gonna go out and party and take my fucking vicodin. Right, i want to have a good time with it <laughs> yeah i'm gonna wait till i feel better to take my meds <laughs> that's how i always was yeah. <laughs> okay so what age let's see uh 24 25 when do we start to switch it up a little bit okay so when i was um like 21 i ended up finding martial arts okay right so i was doing i went to an mma gym first and then after some time at that gym i ended up transitioning over to just the muay thai gym Mm -hmm. which is how i ended up like falling in love with muay thai and um you know, going in that gym is what ended up connecting me to this Muay Thai camp, which like helped me make friends in California, which like ultimately ended up helping me escape. But, um, so I was still, I mean, I, I always partied, you know, pretty hard or like used drugs in a like not prescribed way. But when I was 23, I think it was, I, you know, things were bad. You know, like, I just was unhappy. I, like, didn't have, like, good people. I don't want to say good people. I had a lot of really loving people in my life. But I just was fucked up. 
Like mm-hmm. I had problems and I didn't know how to deal with any of them. And like from 15 till this point I'm talking about now, now I'm 23, that's almost 10 years of having problems and not knowing how to deal with them. So like mm-hmm. mentally and emotionally, I'm totally fucked up. Terrible self-esteem, you know? No so, coping mechanisms. Yeah, no cope. Like like martial arts was pretty much my first like coping mechanism. Which is a great one. That, I, that, way, I, yeah. that I got mm-hmm. my hands on, you know? It's something mm-hmm. that could give me like some place that I needed to be every day, like gave me something where I could feel like I was improving, that I could like feel better about myself. So um, I ended up, ended up taking a Muay Thai fight. I've only fought once, right? While I was training for that fight, my mom assaulted me. She hit me in the back of the head, <laughs> ripped a chunk of my hair out. And my dad went to jail that while I was like training for this fight. Oh my god! So, yeah. So it's kind of those. And and my and that's dad. Such, that's the kind of shit that happens during fights. It's so crazy. Yeah. Always the worst shit has to happen. Yeah, like my <laughs> my dad hadn't. You know, he he had a, a abusive past. Like very very. You know, he he had a lot of anger. You know, and he was very violent. Um, and then in, just, as a young man, mm-hmm. and he hadn't put any hands on anybody until this it, i mean it had to have been like 10 15 years since he'd gotten violent with anybody you know so but but he had a you got to be the lucky one right? well, well it wasn't on, it wasn't on me oh. it, 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 my, my dad's so sweet to me he's, he's, yeah of course he's, yeah. he's always been so so sweet and loving to me but um he what actually happened to him which i think it's maybe worth noting for people is he has like mental health issues mm-hmm. and he took chantex to quit smoking and like psychologically it like fucked him up mm-hmm. like because one of the side effects of chantex is like mental health shit so oh. so he ended up taking this chantex sent him fucking spiraling mentally he ends up in jail so my mom assaults me my, my dad's in jail it's crazy he's calling me from jail he's thinking he's never going to get out because he's like not in a good frame of mind at the time he doesn't it's like not really in touch with reality i would say so anyways that's like a psychological breakdown you don't just bounce back from it you know what yeah. i mean sometimes it takes a it, fucking it toll takes on you a yeah. little while and if yeah. especially when it's medically induced psychosis like that like uh, sorry i'm speaking from personal experience <laughs> you know i've been on a medication where um i've been having panic attacks and stuff like that and the the it doesn't just go away i'm not like oh i'm off the medication everything's fine you fucking struggle with it and if it's something like that where it makes you lose your mind you go in an episode yeah that little bridge between reality and that psycho world it's it's very thin and it's very scary right you know the fact that you know that you can lose yeah. control that's fucking terrifying yeah yeah that's so I imagine he's going through that in prison exactly mm-hmm. exactly yeah. um and i think he was only in for like a night or two yeah but he, still, he got out he, yeah. like he got out quick but he didn't he didn't know like he thought like i'm i'm gonna die in here you yeah. know so it yeah. so it was a really stressful time and like you know, I'm like, dude, I'm just trying to like, <laughs> like, ju- I'm just trying to like accomplish one little goal yeah, here. Like, can, can you just, <laughs> just like chill out, you know? Yeah. But, um, so I end up, okay. And at this point I had started dating one of my coworkers who I'm going to end up running away with. Mm. But so I take the Muay Thai fight. I lose mm-hmm. by decision. This I did really good the first round. Then this chick clenched the shit out of me and we did not even work the clench in my oh, no. <laughs> gym at all. Yeah. So like, I was so frustrated. I just wanted to like hit her and like, I, c- I could just yeah. hear her breathing in my ear the whole yeah. time, you know, like, fuck, like, 
Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, bitch. So, so I lost the fight and then I'm like devastated over that. Right. Mm-hmm. It was like the only thing in the world that mattered to me at that time that like was right. like something I could feel good about. And mm-hmm. then I like lost and then, I, you know, I felt really sorry for myself and like, I mean, it's fine. It was like, you didn't train the clench. So you got beat in the clench. Like it, it makes sense. But to me, it was like the most like, well, the thing about crushing. yeah, the thing about it is the highs are so high. When you win, it's so epic, and everything lines up. And when you lose, you put so much time and so much effort into these this one moment, and it doesn't go your way. It's fucking devastating. Yeah, you know, you spend yeah. hours thinking about it. And when you're not in the gym, you're at home thinking about it, and then right. you're dieting and you're eating shitty because you're thinking about it, and you're fixating on this one moment. And unfortunately, a lot of times you fall short. And when it does, yeah. it's fucking horrible. Right. And and I'm like. At this point, I'm, like, the most mentally fragile person yeah. anyways. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. mentally and emotionally, like, like to me, that was, like, the most important thing in the whole world. Right. You know, at Absolutely. the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so everything's kind of fucked at this mm. point. You know, like, I'm, like, depressed. I just, like, had this, like, ego-crushing thing. Shit's really bad with my family. And I just, like, want to get away from it. Like, I'm, like, I don't want to be here. I just want to, like... You know, I just, I just don't want this to be my life. I want to go somewhere else. So the, the guy that I'm dating, he was sober, I think, (laughs) 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 but so let's say he was a recovering heroin addict, but, um, his whole family suffers from addiction too. And I knew that, and I knew that everybody is doing meth and they're doing heroin. And like, he's like, I'm going to go move to Washington and like live with my family. And then I was like, okay, I'll go too. (laughs) Sounds good. (laughs) (laughs) So like, I say that only to say I knew like exactly what I was getting myself into. I like just didn't care. Like I was like, anything is better than like being here with, you know, I have like, I've barely ever visit my hometown because it's just like, you know, every good thing and every bad thing in my life had happened there. But, but there was a lot of dark stuff Mm -hmm. you know there was a lot of just darkness there and i had had really like abusive relationships i had got cheated on the dude like left the country after (laughs) it was like just yeah (laughs) just really bad you know like i I had a resentment against my my fucking where i came from like i was like i fucking hate this place well a lot of dark rainy cloudy a lot of of times it's a trigger for a lot of people and that's why it's so much emotion is attached to a place like an old house you go into and you feel that like oh this is where i grew up but sometimes it can be the opposite where it's like this is where i got fucking cheated on this is where my fucking dad got locked this is where Mm -hmm. the i lost the fight like fuck this place exactly (laughs) yeah exactly yeah so so then i ended up uh moving to washington did, with them. did you did your parents say anything at the time or like what the fuck are you doing or were they just like good luck or oh i don't know <laughs> i don't know i don't even remember like i don't think my i don't know if i told them to be honest like that's I don't, what i'm saying probably just dipped huh yeah because yeah. i don't oh i was living i had just moved in with this boyfriend so i was living with the boyfriend and then my dad and my stepmom had split up after mm. like you know that that incident so my stepmom knew i was going but like granted we're all kind of come from this way of life so it's not like anyone would be like oh are you sure that's like a right decision they're just like oh yeah we met him he's nice it's fine you know Mm -hmm. so uh so i went to washington and (laughs) it was not a good time like it was 
so so here's me just super fucked up super depressed like completely wanting to be away from reality like not having any coping mechanisms and i go with a bunch of people who are also struggling with addiction and like it's kind of connects back to what we were talking about before of like thinking that like the substances you use are better than the substances other people use so like i was taking a lot of xanax and like you know i don't know whatever like opiates i could get my hands on that were just like nothing crazy like vicodin percocet whatever like i was just taking like pills and everyone else was doing like harder substances like meth or heroin or like maybe they're using like iv users you know so in my mind i was like oh man i have to like do all these drugs to like deal with all these crazy people and like they're really yeah. fucked up yeah, <laughs> you know like poor I, bastard, I have to use heroin i just have to do this to deal with them yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. and like i really really believed it though like i really yeah. believe like if you guys would just get your shit together like here i am inserting myself into your family and i'm just gonna tell you if you guys got your shit together then i would not use drugs anymore 100 percent. i did the like, same thing like yeah. it's uh-huh. it sounds crazy saying it now but at the time it like made perfect sense it was like you guys are stressing me out yeah i fucking need to take some drugs and i'll tell you from from what i've done um is uh my i remember my my, i was like if this guy just stopped doing this i wouldn't have financial problems and if i didn't have financial problems i'd be sober so it's coming from you i know what my problem is it's not so i know exactly what you're talking about yeah 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 Yeah. the situation right it's always like the situation it's always that that's why it has nothing to do with me no of course not so (laughs) So, yeah, so it, uh, you know, the podcast that you did with one of your friends, he was talking to the, the guy who had been on, like, Skid Row for a Momo? little bit. Yeah, mm-hmm. Andrew. A lot of the stuff he was talking about was really brought me back because, like, just the type of things that people get in, like, fights over in, yeah. in that type of environment, like, it's just crazy. Like, there's always someone is stealing something from someone or, like, someone rips someone off or, like, just crazy shit was going on so it was constantly chaotic and then my boyfriend at the time was uh like up until this point i had always worked i had always made my own money and like i was with him and uh he was gonna like sell drugs and i was like not gonna work because <laughs> at this point i was just like i'm fucking tired and you're low. like i like <laughs> like i'm so i'm so tired i'm like so like just downtrodden that I was like, yeah, just do what you got to do. And like, I just need to like kick it for a minute. <laughs> like, I just need to like chill for a minute, right. you know? Mm-hmm. And like, should I get into the gritty? Yeah, get, the gritty, get into the gritty. Please do, sure. Okay, so it's all bad. It's all chaotic. And uh, one of these situations, so he ended up, uh, he had an ounce of weed that he was supposed to sell. And we had gone somewhere for a couple of days and he had left the ounce of weed at the house we were staying at and his brother stole it. Mm. And I was like, I was just dogging him out. Like, I was like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, you know, your brother's gonna jack you. Like, this is what happens. Like, you're stupid. Like, why would you fucking leave it here? Like, why wouldn't you bring it with us or like put it somewhere? Like, why wouldn't you stash your shit? You know, like I was pissed over like, what was that worth? Like a hundred dollars, $200, yeah. you know? But I was like, so mad at him and like we're both like 
doing drugs and i i don't realize at the time or i'm not really like in touch with reality like he's using heroin already <laughs> at this point like yeah. he had been sober and then he had like done some coke and like i didn't have a concept of what sober meant so i just thought like oh you just can't do heroin right. it, i didn't know like you also shouldn't do cocaine or like anything like that right. so anyways we're both fu pretty fucked up at this point but i'm yelling at him over this fucking weed that that got stolen because i'm blaming it on him and he ends up pushing me like hard and I'm like skinny because I'm kind of like strung out. He pushes me hard. I go fucking flying, dude. Like both my feet lift off the ground and like I was shook. Like I just start like fucking sobbing because it like caught me so off guard and like I felt so helpless. Like I'm actually still impressed to this day. Like how could you could even push someone that hard? <laughs> like my whole fucking body went flying. Right. Sorry if that's triggering to anybody that's like experienced any like domestic violence issues but that's just what happened you know mm -hmm. so so after that <laughs> that's when things really start going downhill <laughs> mm -hmm. because i have a fucking vendetta now like i have this fucking thing lurking in the back of my mind that's like i want to fucking take you out fool like just <laughs> i just <laughs> dude it's that's it, a great sound bite i hope <laughs> we get that <laughs> i fucking take you out fool. <laughs> like but but i mean it was real it was mm -hmm. it was in there you know so i was taking a lot of um xanax and like you know how they talk about the the physical allergy right um i had the worst fucking physical allergy to xanax and like what that means for <clears throat> anybody who doesn't know is like if you get this substance in your body you just instantly start craving more of it like mm. you just need more of it so like whenever i would take xanax as soon as i got any like in my system i would take another bar you know i would take another xanax bar i would take all the bars i had or i would take them until like i just blacked out and like maybe didn't know where they were anymore you know mm -hmm. so so <laughs> now at this point i'm like blacking out and just like attacking this guy <laughs> like i'm just <laughs> which you know, it's funny now, but <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't. No, it just, it's just the way <laughs> it like, I was taking funny. Xanax, I'm blacking out and attacking this guy. <laughs> like, that was what I did. <laughs> what are you doing? You know what I normally do on the weekends? Fucking black out and attack For this guy. Real, though, that's like really how it was. Like, so. <laughs> I like, just picture you lurking. <laughs> yeah, I too. <laughs> oh, did I just. Oh, hold on. <laughs> yeah, it was just funny because when you said it, when you said I had the vendetta, your eyes kind of got big. <laughs> that's when you said <laughs> I just sit around attacking this one. I was like, oh shit. Yeah, but but it really was like like that. Like I just like because because Xanax is a is a disassociative. So when I would like take it, just I don't know any like rational part of my mind would get like disconnected, and like it's almost like the subconscious shit was just running the show. So because when you for a lot of people, you take Xanax, you just go out. Right, you yeah. just sleep. Some yeah, people, yeah. they take it, they're tranquilizer, they yeah. don't move. It sounds like you're one of those people that... And then a lot of people take it and they black out, which I don't know why they take it, because they just take it they literally yeah. black out instantly, yeah. which most people do. Yeah. And it sounds like you kind of got up but blacked out. Like you were very, yes. like you said, disassociated, which is yeah. terrifying. My, my <laughs> <laughs> one, of, one of my boyfriend's friends 
was like, dude, he was like, that chick's not on Xanax. He's like, your girl's tweaking, bro. Yeah. Like, he like really thought that. <laughs> that's common just to yeah. get up and go crazy. Yes, because I yeah. would get up in the middle, like, you know, it'd be like 3 a.m. I'd be like doing the dishes and like cooking something. And they're like, bro, your chick's not fucking on Xanax, <laughs> dude. But like, I, I was. <laughs> I was. Yeah, because it's very common for those of you guys that don't know. Meth users, the number one thing is aggression. They're always very violent, yeah. always very aggressive because it's a stimulant. So it's like, Imagine drinking too much caffeine or having too much sugar. You're like, <laughs> so that's like that. So the fact that she's cooking and being up at three in the morning, yeah, <laughs> it yeah. sounds like some meth shit. Yeah. But okay. Yeah. So, I mean, it was like anything could happen. I could have like just passed out on the couch or like I could be like doing stuff in the middle of the night or I could be like trying to fight, you know? So, um, yeah, I don't even, I can't even remember like why. I think I would just be like, because he already put out. his hands on you and you yeah, already and have that. Yeah, and disassociated. And then he'd come home and I would be like, it's fucking on. Like, <laughs> like, and and I was really trying to knock him out. Yeah. Like I was. Mm-hmm. Like I was like aiming for the chin and like, well, Bailey. Oh, Bailey. Um, and yeah, aiming for the chin. <laughs> yeah, I was just really trying. So like, um, I ended up getting fucked up, you know? Like I got fucked up really bad because I was swinging on a man and he had a wrestling background. Mm-hmm. And I do not have a wrestling background. So, you know, he, so I would swing on him and he would take me down and like, I, I cracked my head really bad a few times, like on like linoleum on some like wooden shelves. Like a grown ass man slamming somebody, let alone a a female. Oh yeah. Yeah. Kind of strung out. Like you said. Yeah. 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 Like I would just would go fucking flying. So I don't know if I got any brain trauma there, but like, I wouldn't be surprised if I didn't get at least like one or two concussions out of that, mm-hmm. which like, I don't blame him for, you know, like when someone's violently coming at you too, it's pretty, yeah, I'm not trying to defend him at all. I'm just saying like, that's pretty fucking crazy to come home and have someone attack you. Yeah. I mean, you can't do that. You can't just like, just be fucking swinging out the gates on people. And, but at this point, those lines are crossed. As soon as he put his hands on you, now you go into another phase that a lot of people don't understand. Yeah. That there's another point you're entering where it's very hard to come back from. Oh, a lot of points. oh yeah. Y- mm-hmm. yeah. I don't, I wasn't going to let that. Yeah. Cause you go. can't take back. Sorry. I punched you in the face. It's a little different. It's yeah. now we cross that line, which is something I'm always very careful with people. Like if we go there, we're already going to another level. You know that, right? And it sounds like you're one of those people too. Like you fucking cross that line, bro. Yeah. Well, and this is like two really sick people who don't Mm -hmm. have any coping mechanisms. So it's not even like I could have had a conversation and been like, yo, like I know I was like yelling at you, but, but for you to push me was really out of, like, it wasn't like I would ever say anything. It's like, no, I'm just going to, fucking have this gnarly resentment and like hate you from the core of my being yeah. and like never say anything about it and that's so important that you touched on that because it gets so overlooked like look at these two hair you see this two heroin addicts like walking in hands they're making out and they're fucking fighting it's because they're they have zero coping mechanisms they don't know yeah. how to have a, a legit conversation all they know is their, their emotions which are they're angry and they're fearful and they fucking attack Right. And it's that dope sick, which is kind of adorable at times, but it ultimately it's like the most poisonous <laughs> fucking thing in the world, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so that. Can so you're high attacking your boyfriend. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm, high, I'm high attacking my boyfriend and, and it ends up getting like worse. Like, like, uh, it gets to the point where like he, he pulls a gun on me one time. Jesus Christ. And <laughs> which like, again, I I really don't want to sound like I'm like 
defending like abusing women or something but I don't think this was really like a situation where I was being abused I think it was a situation where like we were both violent if that makes sense like it's kind of like a little bit of a distinction like I wasn't a victim you know what I mean like yeah like I'm like starting shit and then I'm I'm suffering the consequences of Mm -hmm. like what's happening so 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 I leave pretty shortly after that so he ends up pulling a gun on me we fight it out both fall asleep in the living room and like the next again this is like the the level of like insanity and like when it talks about it in the book being in full flight of reality like we would get in a fight like that shit goes fucking crazy we just both go to sleep and the next morning you wake up like nothing happened yeah like it's just like you don't even talk about it it's just gone like this is like that happened yesterday sort of the norm too yeah totally Mm -hmm. like you're fully like yeah full flight from reality is the best way i could think to to describe that so where did i go from there so so basically it ends up being to the point where uh someone tells me like hey we're worried you're gonna go to jail because like the cops come they came a few times <laughs> you know yeah. Like, yeah. They, they came a few times and like they never arrested us but like i mean they knew what was going on there i think they were trying to build a case which is why i think that they didn't like arrest or pursue anything i think they were trying to build a case at that time and like just recording and documenting everything so um anyway someone who i know there you know we're all super interconnected and like our fucked up way and and they call me and they're like amelia we we think that you're gonna like go to jail so like we would like you to like come stay at our house and i was like okay so i go there and like i'm just like dude i'm fucked like these these people who like i would have called like fucking tweakers and thought that i was better than are like Mm, pulling me out of ones telling they're the ones that are like yo amelia your shit's fucked up right now like you got to come hide out over here because it's like getting out of control and we don't want to see you go to jail you know like they're the ones like pulling me out of the mud Mm -hmm. so i'm like fuck okay so i'm like sleeping on the floor at this these people's house and like um i think just because it had gotten so bad like i had like lumps on my head i had welts like i was like all fucked up and like i ended up having called um my sister, who I told you about, but she she was not my biological sister, but she was my mentor through the Big Brother Big Sister program, and um, we had kept in touch over all these years. And like somehow, in my fucking like haze, I thought to call her, and like I guess I had called her a few times, and like from what I remember, this was like the third time we had talked, and she was like, "Look, um, she her her husband." She's like, "We talked about it." um if you want if you want a way out we can be that for you and they live in california and so at that point i think i was at a low enough moment that i was like okay i'll go and then uh the i I had a job here too (laughs) i hope that my story makes sense as i'm like kind of you know just covering the basics of it but i had a job there at the time i was working for a realty company god knows how like, I don't even know how did I have a job and like get there. It was only part time. But mm-hmm. anyways, I, that that lady knew what was going on. The lady I worked for because the cops had come there and like talked to them. They were like, yo, we, what's going on with this chick, you know? So, um, and she knew that like, I mean, she knew that, that it was getting like, oh, it's okay. Thank you. 
Get a brought my uh, commentary from Arya's only podcast next door. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is it? Oh, yeah. uh, uh, can you turn it on real quick? Which one's off? Mine? Uh, it's okay if mine's off. That one's off too. I turned it on and push record. Sorry, we're having some technical difficulties, guys. <laughs> uh, it's a vape opportunity for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> please do. Uh, we're actually doing a um, YouTube video, guys. What we're trying to do is start recording. We don't even know if we're going to put this up or get little clips of it and eventually start to build some type of uh, of a uh, system up. But unfortunately, I pushed record and now it's not recording. So uh, we're just getting that all dialed in. And... Um, I'm doing that right now. That's why I'm stalling time talking to you guys. And we're back on. Okay. <laughs> okay. So one thing you were saying is that you were at work and you don't really know how this happened. At the time when you left, were you working? Yeah. Okay. So you yeah. did you have money to go to California? When they said, come to California, we were like, oh, I got plenty of money in my bank account. <laughs> no. I've been saving for months. No. Because drug addicts don't save. <laughs> <laughs> no. So I want to make that clear. Like, no, okay. absolutely not. I didn't have any money and I was like barely p- paying any of my bills. Mm-hmm. Um, like my car payment, my insurance, I, I was late on those a few times. So... So I went to the lady that I was working with and she already knew like the whole background and I just told her like, yo, I, I need to like leave town now, you know, <laughs> like I got to go. And uh, she cut me a check right there. Like she cut, she, she gave me a big warm hug. She was a dope lady. She had a black belt in like Aikido or Hopkido or both or something. And yeah. she used to be an EMT. She was like the fucking coolest lady ever, but she was down too. Like she knew everything and like still <laughs> let me work there. But, um, she, so she cut me a check. I think it was, I want to say it was like $130. Cause I'm working like part-time, like four hours a day. It was not a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And then I had some shit. I don't remember what it was, but I ended up pawning some stuff for like some money. And, uh, I went to like some sort of like social services that was for like women and you know like those kind of services that'll give people money for like bus fare or like shit like that like i went to them and i told them my situation and i was like can you guys help me with like gas like i need gas money to like to get down there and like money for food so i can eat while i'm driving you know and i think they were like oh because due to like budget restraints right now like we don't have any like funds like that but like they give me a bunch of snacks and they were like good luck <laughs> you know yeah, like we yeah. you know that they, they they wanted to help but like that was all they could do so um so i took off with like the little bit that i had packed you know the little bit of shit that i had up in a car my car and uh left and like i didn't have any drugs <laughs> when i left i didn't have anything and i had been taking like I mentioned this to you. I was taking anything I could get my hands on at the time. So I was taking like Xanax, opiates, uh, my boyfriend's psych medication. He had like antipsychotic medication that I was taking because I couldn't sleep at night. Mm -hmm. Um, I was taking Suboxone because if like we couldn't uh, get anything else, like we would just take Suboxone because it makes you feel a little bit high. So I was just taking like a cocktail. Whatever was available, you know, is what I would take. So I leave town with like nothing. And like, I I didn't have any, like, I was just not in touch with reality at all. So I leave um, and I go from Washington to Portland. And that was the home of the mom that I lived with when I was in high school. 
So that was my, my ex's mom. And she's still like family to me this, to this day. I still visit her. So I went there and I'm like detoxing, mm-hmm. which like I didn't know was going to happen <laughs> because I like didn't realize that I was like addicted to any substances. Right. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that that was going on. So like I remember getting to her house and she's like trying to, she's trying to feed me toast and stuff like and like water because i'm just like sick yeah. and i'm like shaky i feel like i have like pen- pins and needles all over my body i can't think clearly like i'm just a mess and like i remember this so vividly i went to take a shower at her house and i like look down at, i look down at my legs and like my thighs are just gone like you you know my build i have like thicker mm-hmm. legs and like booty you know mm-hmm. and like my legs were just skinny and like it was the first time that i had even like looked at my own body mm-hmm. and like real like i was just like where the fuck did my legs go yeah and like i weighed myself there and i was only 110 pounds wow i mean i'm small yeah. now but like you know normally i'm from 120 to like 130 mm-hmm. i'm like 120 right now so i was 10 pounds less than i weigh now and you're already really small but i'm small i have like a tiny frame 10 pounds is a lot when you're only like five three or whatever i am so yeah so i was just skinny i was sick and um i stayed there she kind of nursed me back to health for a couple days and then i drove to eugene and i did i still didn't have enough money (laughs) to like Mm -hmm. get to where i I was going because i don't remember how much gas cost for a trip like that but it it you know it was probably like a couple hundred bucks i don't know yeah Mm -hmm. so i i go to eugene and like i end up trimming some weed there and like my friend had like uh they were making like fuck i'm so sober now i can't even remember what it's (laughs) called the wax like hash yeah like 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 what like keith hash wax. <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, wax. yeah, yeah. Oh. so so they're making that and there's like wax spots all over the floor so i end up like offering like because i think we finished trimming the weed or they had enough weed trimmers or whatever i was like yo i'll clean your floor like i'll get the wax spots off so i remember doing that to like make some money too mm-hmm. and then i had like a a ring that i wanted to pawn and I didn't have time to like go to the pawn shop before I left. So like I ended up selling my ring to this dude who I was trimming weed for. Like I'm like, dude, I just need like 40 bucks or whatever. If you take it to the pawn shop, they'll give it to you. But I don't have time to go, you know? Yeah. So um, so I did that. I got enough money to get to California. And dude, I just fucking drank five hour energy shots mm-hmm. and smoked rollies the whole way Mm -hmm. just like the whole way just like because it it's uh it was like 16 hours Mm -hmm. from there that i drove and yeah that's pretty much my that that was like my whole escape yeah that was your escape but you weren't uh even if you're going through all this and and i mean that's fucking batshit crazy the fact that you had to pawn stuff off to get money to get out of your situation it had gotten that bad it's you know, the way you talk about it is so light and you put it very... But when yeah. you told me this, I was just like, in my head, I'm like, you fucking didn't have anything. Your living situation is with another addict. You know, you're in this abusive, yeah. you know, physically altering kind of thing. And the only thing you could do is to pawn some shit to get enough money to get to a lady that said we could help. Right. That was all you knew, you know? Right, so right, to right. do that, fucking hats yeah. off to you. Like, yeah. That's Thank insane. You. I don't know if I'd have the balls to do that. Yeah. You know, so... If, if I talk about it lightly too, that's only because this was like... 
almost eight years ago. Mm-hmm. So I'm very removed from the situation now. At the time, yeah, like I was fucked up bad. Mm-hmm. You know, like I was like, I was so, I was just so like devastated and angry and like shameful, you know? Mm-hmm. But I think the reason I was able to like make that transition was it was like, there, there's nothing for me here. No. You know, there's yeah. like, mm-hmm. this is, it's only going to get worse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there is no light at the end of this tunnel, yeah. you know? So like, that's the point where you just have to take a chance. And it's like that sink or swim moment where it's like, dude, yeah. I can like stay here. And like, we might not all make it. We might not all live. We might be incarcerated, you know? So mm-hmm. it's like that or like, fuck, maybe California will work for me. Might, you know? And that's yeah. the thing is it's, it's such a maybe such a slim factor that most most people are willing to go the ladder. Like, fuck it. Let's just, this is what I know. This is what I'm comfortable in. And unfortunately, that's why most people don't get out of addiction. Don't get out of that struggle because, and that's why it's like, get a job or or just, you know, if you grew up that way, just move out. It's not that fucking easy, dude. No. When that's what you know and this is your life to say, you know, take a leap and try this and maybe it'll pay off. Like, fuck, you know, it's it's really hard to imagine doing something else. So hats off to you. So you get to California, things get better, but it's not over yet. No. So when I, when I came here, so my sister, uh, they had just moved into this house that they were living in and like, they had talked to their landlord to be like, Hey, is it okay if we have another person come stay at our house, you know? Mm -hmm. And the landlord had been like, uh, she can stay for a month, you know, talking about me, she can stay for a month. Um, if it's longer than a month, we'll have to revisit. Cause they had like just signed a lease, you know, like they're like not, you know, they're trying to be on good terms with like the, the people they're renting from. So, um, <laughs> so I, uh, I end up finding a job and also like, you know, cause it is like spiritual part of like, like recovery is spiritual. Uh, when I fucking left Washington, um, Dude, I prayed, like, I earnestly fucking prayed to God. And I was like, look, I, like, I got it wrong. You know, like, I fucking... My bad. Yeah. I was <laughs> My like, bad. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I got it wrong. My way does not work. Right. My way is not working. Please show me where I'm supposed to go. Mm-hmm. Like, wh- whatever I'm supposed to do, please show me. Because mm-hmm. I have no fucking ideas. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it was, like, fully, like... You know, it it was a moment of like surrendering, like I'm not in control anymore. Please help me, you know? So and making it to California, I'm praying the whole time because I don't have a nice car. I'm praying like, please just break down when I get there. If you need to break down, break down when I get there. Break down when I get there. The car fucking breaks down a week after I get there. Yeah. Which I was like, thank you. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I'll take it. (laughs) Thank you so much. (laughs) Right. So I ended up getting a job though. And and I kind of say that like praying part because like I felt like I was on the right path because all these little synchronicities like started happening and things really like synced up for me to like kind of hit the ground running. So like I found a job on my third day here um, and I started working right away. So within two weeks of being in California, I only had a month to find a place within two weeks I had enough money to rent a room out of a house and I found a room to rent off of Craigslist in Lakewood. Mm-hmm. So within two weeks I had somewhere to live like that, where I wasn't just like, you know, sleeping on someone's couch, right. you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, and then my sister too, she helped me because I had to get my car fixed cause my car broke down 
when I got here, when I got to California, I had $30. Mm-hmm. That was how much money I had yeah. <laughs> after like gas and food and, and driving. Mm-hmm. I had 30 bucks and a car <laughs> That's yeah. what, and a trunk full of clothes. So um, my sister paid, I, I don't know, 500 bucks or something to like get my car fixed. And then she also um, paid to get my car registered, which like if anyone's moving to California and they don't know (laughs) when Mm. you move to California, you have to pay a lot of money to like get your car registered. And if you bought the car somewhere other than California, you have to pay tax on your car, Jesus. which I was really offended by. I'm like, yo, I didn't buy this here, but like, (laughs) you know, luckily the car was only $5,000. It was like an old Honda. So Mm. the tax is only like 500 bucks, whatever. But anyway, so she helped me get my feet on the ground with like getting my car running and registered so i could drive legal in california and then um then i just started working and i was grinding and like i kind of was in this spot of like workaholism where like i was just like i would work during the day and i was always covering people's shifts like i was down as fuck like yeah. everyone knew like if you need someone to cover a shift call amelia <laughs> she'll she'll yeah. do it yeah, no there's problem always that one person that's like fuck it yeah. <laughs> yeah and then um i was also doing shit on the side like i was cleaning houses too mm-hmm. like I, w- I would clean houses for like cash like find people on craigslist and um nice. i was like trimming weed so yeah. like sometimes i would like work all day and then go trim weed all night be getting fucked up mildly fucked up just like smoking taking some painkillers drinking a little bit trimming weed all night in like the inland empire and then driving back to la and then like sleeping a couple hours going back to work again so like i was on a pretty hard grind for like a while and i ended up working my way up in that that company that i was in and like getting to a management position and then i ended up being like uh something like a regional manager where I was managing a bunch of franchises. I had a company car, I had a company phone. And, um, that was like really big for me because it helped me to, uh, kind of break that threshold of being able to ask for more money when I went to work at other places. So like the grinding definitely paid off Mm -hmm. in that sense. And then I was dating a guy who he knew I had met him through doing Muay Thai. He Mm -hmm. lived down here in California he he knew why I fucking came here. And like, he had more wits about him than I did. When I came here, I said, okay, no Xanax. I didn't, yeah. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't. I'm just gonna stop doing this. Yeah, uh, so yeah. again, kind of like the thing in high school, like, oh, no cocaine, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Then as I get older, it's like, oh, no Xanax, because you black out, you don't know what's gonna happen anymore. Yeah. So, so I'm still taking painkillers here and there, smoking weed, drinking, sometimes doing coke, whatever. But the dude that I'm with, intentionally doesn't introduce me to fucking anyone because his friends are all down and he's like i don't want you meeting any people that like do that shit he's kind of trying to like guide me on a good path and like doesn't want to introduce me to any people who are in trouble and then the the you know all i'm doing is working Mm -hmm. and i have this mentality of like i fucking left all my friends i'm not here to make friends i'm here to like make money you know i'm here to like get ahead like i don't need to make friends so i for the most part stayed out of too much trouble as far as drug use goes for a good few years because like it just wasn't that accessible to me and i was really focused on working a lot and 
my dude would have given me a hard time. Like, why yeah. are you taking all those pills? You know, like it would have been like annoying to, yeah. <laughs> to, yeah. to do. So, but that being said, like mentally and spiritually, I have not fixed anything. No, you're just redirecting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have, mm-hmm. I have done, not, not done any work. I haven't seen a fucking therapist. I didn't get any treatment. Like mm-hmm. I haven't met anyone who's like in recovery. So I don't know that that's like a, a thing really. Mm-hmm. So, um, so so i was doing okay until i broke up with that guy which bless his heart i feel (laughs) i feel so fucking bad for him that he had to deal with me because he Mm. he really tried to keep me out of trouble and he like really tried to make me happy and it was like an impossible fucking job so with what you're talking about is being dry right yeah and what, but but i wasn't really sober though no, no i mean no. but I, but, but I yes. mean, like, yes like so what we say um for those of you guys that don't know is there's three parts of being sober which is uh or i don't know how you say it but i say mind body spirit which is right you know physically you're not going to drink that's number one and then um is it like uh, how, how's your body is it body like how do we categorize that like body how are we doing like uh, are you good with yourself like you eating healthy being clean like right, right. like uh, taking you know mental health yeah. like taking a pill whatever you got to do that sort of thing and then there's the spiritual aspect which is pretty much the 12 steps cover which yeah. is working on your spirituality and how you learning how to cope with people learning how to deal with your problems learning how to not hold resentments Basically, the AA book of how to live a happy life and not be a fucking prick. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> we all know people that are sober that are just assholes. Yeah, yeah. Because they don't really want to be sober. And all you're doing is being, they call it being dry. Because you don't drink or use, but you also don't better your life. So you're just dry. They call it dry drunk, which is just, you're pretty much sober and you're an asshole. You still have all those character defects. You still have no coping mechanisms. And it sounds like that's where yeah. you were in life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Even 100%. though you're still using, you're not an addict. Right, right. But you're just not in tune with that spiritual aspect right okay right so yeah so so i break up with him mm-hmm. and then like and this is kind of that like you know alcoholic or like diseased thinking my mind was immediately like oh i was unhappy because i couldn't do what i wanted yeah like yeah. like <laughs> like it's his fault like it's his fault that i'm unhappy because mm-hmm he like cared about me and like, yeah. wanted me to do well. So, so I'm like, she doesn't let me drink all the time. So it's fucking her fault. Exactly. That yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm like off to the races again. Mm-hmm. I like meet some random girl. I, I had met her through, through a friend that I had, but, um, she, she was a super cool chick, but like we both were a little bit wild in our own way. And like, so smoking a lot of weed, drinking, whatever, um oh also i had to stop smoking weed because of the job that i got that i have now i had to stop smoking weed to get that job so i started drinking more when Mm. i stopped smoking weed that's like another like sign of Mm. kind of that disease thinking yes you have to substitute it for something else so like so i'm starting to drink more at this time and then this girl who i'm living with at the time she has a connect for uh, painkillers for some like Percocet or something like that. As soon as I know, oh, I got someone we can call, I'm like asking her, like, hey, hit up your friend. Oh, she doesn't have anything. Can you ask her again? You know, like, yeah. So ask it, her to ask it, somebody. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so then it turns in this thing where like, oh, it's within reach. And yeah. then, so then I'm taking like the Percocet and stuff, and like, this uh trajectory is like totally common for anybody with opiates i'm taking the percocets they're, they're it's 30 dollars for a 30 milligram percocet 
-hmm. right? Yeah. But I can get an 80 milligram Oxycontin for 40 bucks. So it's like, of course, I wouldn't want to do the Oxys. It's mm -hmm. like you get way, way more for your money, you yeah. know? Mm -hmm. So, and I had a friend who sold those, but she wouldn't sell them to me because she's like, I'm not selling you this shit, you know? But then I'm like, well, I'm already taking these and like, I'm paying, I'm just trying to save I'm paying $30 and she's yeah. like, oh man, yeah, that's fucked up. Okay, fine. I'll sell them to you, yeah. you know? So so. It should be a dollar a milligram, right? But you're doing, okay, so, so how do you, you're taking 80 milligrams of Oxy? Yeah, but not all at once. You chop well, it in half? Well, okay. So, so the Percocets, if I had Percocets, I would rail them because yeah. you could chop them, you know, right? and do yeah. lines. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah. But the, um. So that's what I did with the Oxys. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know how you did that because the Oxys, um, they end up putting this like coating on them to try and get people to like not rail them and inject them. Rail is snort. If there's yeah. anyone who's <laughs> listening who doesn't know what that means. Yeah, yeah. But they they put like a coating on it like mm -hmm. a time release coating or something so and it's like stuck on the pill so you can't really like i would just cut them in qu in quarters and just swallow them i would just take them orally because it was too hard to get the the pill out and like crush it because so what had, happens like, if coating. you snort it with the time release thing well it's like because i'm pretty sure i have it's like um because i've had it when they it's break like up blue. real easy it's yeah. blue and it's like thick it's like a thick yeah thick i know coating. exactly what you're talking about i'm pretty sure i've just crushed it up and sniffed that but see, I wish I would. I didn't think of that. Oh. I just thought like I can't. Yeah, because I've had there's the there's the one without it because it'll break up really easy. Like yeah, you put yeah. your finger on it, it just shatters, yeah. and you just snort it. The other one, when you break it up, it breaks up thick, almost yeah. like it's a like coke. It's kind of wet and clumpy. Right, right, right. And then I've just fucking railed that. But look yeah. at this nose. It's built for fucking <laughs> hoovering shit. This nose is built for fucking. <laughs> you can put a goddamn sandbox in this room, and I'll fucking take care of that thing. <laughs> <laughs> but um i didn't know that that's what that was for but i've noticed that yeah, i'm breaking them up it was hard for me to break up certain yeah, ones yeah. and then i also knew it was time released but so was morphine and i was like i fucking railed morphine you right, know right, right. like so i don't know yeah so yeah so i was just taking those orally mm -hmm. and like they were strong i mean i would get fucked up and then i would just like i don't want to say anything too incriminating but like i would take like a little bit in the morning like before i go to work yeah, take, yeah, take a little bit yeah. on my lunch break take some when i got, get home and you kind of need to wait well yeah you, you don't, don't want to yeah. you don't ever want to come down because <laughs> yeah, if you come down too it's you start to get shaky you start yeah, to get yeah. like sweats you start to feel like ass yeah. you know yeah. you're gonna have to go through a little bit of a withdrawal right yeah so and i like that. hate my life too like that was always the thing is i was like i just want to feel good that was always mm -hmm. you know my mm -hmm. my that was my objective i just want to feel good you know which i think like everybody wants to feel good but if you think drugs are going to make you feel good, eventually it will backfire. If yeah. that's like your yeah. route to like happiness, you know? Right. Mm. So, so I end up having a falling out with that girl cause I want to move out and she's kind of like, she's living with me. We're sharing a one bedroom apartment. She doesn't have a job. So when I put in the 30 day notice, she got real pissed <laughs> Yeah, because she didn't really have anything else to do. So that was kind of a fucked up situation. Um, so, but, but this is another one of those things where like, this is like how, how I, um, perceive my higher power. So when I'm living with this chick and I'm starting to go into this kind of bad spiral, I meet my neighbor. I step outside, I meet my neighbor and like, I had always smelled weed coming from that apartment, which apparently was the people who lived there before her. Mm -hmm. But I was like, oh, it always smells good over there. You guys smoke? And she was like, no, um, she's like, I think that was the people that lived here before us. I'm sober. And this is like my first time meeting someone who's like 
really sober. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that's dope, you know, whatever. And she's like, oh, by the way, my roommate's moving out. I'm looking for someone to live here. My, mind you, my lease just ended yeah. that month. Yeah. So I thought about it and I was like, yo, that would probably be helpful if I could live with someone who is sober. Yeah. You know, like Mm -hmm. that sounds cool. Like I want to know how they do that, you know? Yeah. And so I ended up moving in with my neighbor and uh, they don't know that I have any like, so she's a recovering heroin addict. Mm -hmm. So I don't dare tell her that I'm using opiates. right like i'm like i'm gonna keep that like in my back pocket like i'll just hope my shit gets better by being around her yeah and um that didn't work it didn't Mm -hmm. oh oh bailey um go ahead keep going yeah so so i move in with her and i ended up meeting a bunch of sober people through her so they all just thought like oh uh she moved in with a normie that's so cool like they all thought that i was right. like oh this is like cool we have like a normie friend that like likes to kick it or whatever so i met all these sober people and they were like so fucking like everyone's cool they're fun they're happy they're like inclusive yeah in a lot of ways. They're yeah like, they're yeah, just come like on, let's do something it's let's all do it because we're sober yeah yeah and alcoholics are my favorite people <laughs> they really are <laughs> they're just yeah. like my favorite even if they're sober alcoholics like they're just i just connect with yeah. them you know mm-hmm. so um so eventually after i've lived with her for several months like again i don't want to like incriminate myself but i'm driving lyft because i was always like in this habit of having side hustles i'm driving lyft fucked up on on um opiates and two different people that i gave lyft rides to invited me to aa Mm -hmm. and i don't know if they knew that i was fucked up or if they can just like tell by talking to me but that's kind of like these like foreshadowing moments where they're like oh yeah i'm sober like you should check it out and i was like oh yeah whatever like (laughs) so so it's kind of like life was just pointing me starting to just like point me in that Mm -hmm. that direction you know and like um so there wasn't really anything that i was doing well see i think that's the the interesting part is where i go back to how i say your rock bottom was almost somewhere in the middle yeah. Because you had yeah. this like crazy th- whole thing happen. And then really what it was is you start living this other life, which is great. It's a lot better than what you had. Yeah. But you're still not spiritually sound. Your right. mind isn't still there. So you have right. one aspect, which is what I keep saying, dry. Yeah. Like maybe that's kind of under control because you're not over the rails. You're not blacking out, waiting right. in the corner like a cat to fuck <laughs> <with> your, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> your roommate. Right. But something's missing. Yeah. So that's where you are. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Mm-hmm. So um, I end up... At this point in time, I ended up racking up like eight grand in credit card debt Mm -hmm. because I had worked so hard, right? I worked so hard to like improve my credit and then they gave me like an increase and like I'm still not of sound mind. So Mm -hmm. I just blow all the money. Like the fucking credit cards got, they got me. Yeah. yeah, You know, like that's how they, they, yeah, yeah. that's how it is. (laughs) And I, I took the bait, you know, like, so I'm like going to Vegas, I'm going on trips, I'm like offering to buy drinks, like spending this money that I don't that fucking, you don't have. I do not have, <laughs> Yeah. but I'm like, Oh, I'll pay for it later. Yeah. Well, guess what, bitch? I'm the one that has to pay for it later, yeah. mm-hmm. you know? So, so I, I blew, I blew all of that. And, um, I totaled my car mm-hmm. on accident. <laughs> I was like, whatever. I was, I was high, but I didn't like not off. I just like, wasn't paying attention because I'm like, not, I'm barely fucking living in reality, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. So at this point, and at this point, I'm trying to stop doing opiates. 
because for me, like opiates was a real win because um, I I could take them and stay awake. Yeah. That was like the thing. Like I can take yeah. them and I can stay awake. I don't black out. So yeah. I can still do everything I need to do in a day and be on opiates and nobody seems to know and it's fine. Yeah. And a lot of times if you're an opiate user, what, what they do is when you take them is I'm, I just start yapping. I'm the yeah, opposite. Yeah. I don't, a lot of yeah. people take them, they start to get sleepy and they go out. But once you get right. a little bit of immunity to them, it does yeah. a whole different drug pretty much. It opens yeah. a whole, yeah. So yeah, they that's helped, where you're at. they helped me. They, they helped, helped me like yeah, accomplish like the things that I needed out. to you do feel in a day. Good. Yeah. You're ready yeah. to go. Yeah. So, so, so at that point I start, um, after I total my car, I had walked like 30 minutes to the smoke shop to buy Kratom mm -hmm. because I like still needed to like get fucked up, but I couldn't like drive to where I needed to go. So I got Kratom and I was trying to, to use that for a while instead of opiates. And then like, because I still didn't like have any good understanding of um, like the disease or whatever, I thought that, uh, okay, I was like clean off of opiates for like a week or whatever. So I can take some again. So you know, then I would just get high for like maybe three days and then like only use Kratom for a few days and then like get high again. Like, you know, I was spacing it out, yeah. which I thought was like good enough. But like, um, but, but I knew I like needed help. Yeah. Right. So am I, no, are we okay on time? Yeah, we're okay on time. Okay. Yeah. So I ended up going to, uh, Al-Anon. Mm -hmm. because i think like all my friends who are sober are like heroin addicts or like we're like <laughs> worse than me right yeah. in quotes mm -hmm. so um i was like oh i'm not bad enough to like need to like get sober but like i definitely need some sort of help because i'm like losing my mind and like my life is unmanageable mm -hmm. so i go to al-anon which for people listening is like for a program for loved ones of alcoholics yeah like if your mom's a an alcoholic you can go to learn how to manage dealing with her or something like that right mm -hmm. so again i'm like this yeah it's not me this problem yeah. is not me my yeah. problem is that everybody that i've ever known is an alcoholic right, right? like mm -hmm. i'm i couldn't possibly be the common denominator in that mm -hmm. so um i go to al-anon and like everyone's like crying and talking about their feelings and their childhoods and shit and dude it's heavy mm -hmm. i'm nodding off in the mm. meeting yeah because i'm high yeah and i'm also really emotionally overwhelmed like yeah, i'm like yeah. what the it's exhausting too fuck? Yeah, like yeah. this mm -hmm. is like then you're like opening the floodgates mm -hmm. of like all these like years of dormant shit that you've just like tucked deep inside yourself that mm -hmm. you're like oh, i'm good i got it i got it i got it nothing's affecting me even yeah. though it's killing me inside mm -hmm. you know so it opened those floodgates and and in al-anon it's not like um, if you go to like a 12 step program meeting for alcoholics or drug addicts, people will say like, if you're able to sponsor, raise your hand. So you go to a meeting, you can get a sponsor the same day yeah. if you need one. Mm -hmm. If you go to Al-Anon, people aren't in a hurry because they're like not killing themselves like yeah. alcoholics are. So like when, so when I went there, th like you just like meet people and then eventually ask someone like you don't even have any idea who's able to sponsor and like i talked to some people there and they're like oh yeah i didn't get a sponsor until i was like a year in yeah and i was like yo i need help right fucking now yeah like yes yesterday kind of i needed yeah. help yesterday mm -hmm. so then i finally call my my friend who who i'm living with but she's always at her boyfriend's house so i almost never see her i finally call her and i'm like yo i think i need help nice and that's like was my 
my doorway into so you go to the program and then what how how is it when you go in like what's your thing of like uh, i know you're pretty resistant going in right yeah yeah so which most people are most people don't want to be like i have a problem i need help like teach me how to live my life people are like i know how to live my life i know what i'm doing yeah you know so that's kind of where you were at i'm assuming yeah so it was like it's kind of like they say it's like the last house on the block you know Mm -hmm. i didn't have any other solution like i was like i'm miserable i can't keep my shit together like i'm suffering consequences (laughs) for my poor decision making Mm -hmm. and like so i have to be here because i don't know where else to be yeah but like i'm I'm not as bad as you guys. Right. Like I have a job. Mm-hmm. I have a car. Yeah. I didn't have to. I didn't. My parents didn't put me in a treatment sell that ass, program. Yeah. I didn't sell that ass. You weren't, ass. Ass. You yeah. weren't uh, you know, sharing needles with someone. You weren't uh, drive, even though you were driving fucked up. You weren't driving fucked up. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> like yeah, yeah. all those things. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, and then when does it like start clicking to you? And when does it like, you know, get a moment of levity where you're like, oh, you know? Um... Well, I think, I mean, I think what kept me there was like the spirit of everybody, you Mm. know, like, cause it's all people who are just trying to deal with life, Yeah, you know, like, and I definitely needed that. So like, that's what kept me in the rooms. And like, I did have a, you know, I have a belief in, in some sort of higher power. Like there's obviously something bigger than me. So I didn't have an issue with, with that part of the program. Um, I just more had an issue of like just really thinking that everyone else like i'm not as bad as you guys that was my biggest hang up and i think it was like through the time like okay so doing my steps that that really fucking helped because it helped me gain the perspective because then when i go back you know i do you know for my first step i write my whole history of my drinking and my drug use and like everything and like when you look at fucking 40 pages of shit and you look at like the dark depths that you've gone to, you're like, oh, maybe. Normal people don't do this. Yeah. May- yeah. I'm, maybe, then- maybe, maybe I wasn't functioning as yeah. well as I thought I was. Yeah. You know, th- mm-hmm. that's kind of, I think what helped was when I started doing a lot of the writing and like realizing, uh, you know, like I look at my use now, like at the time I thought that shit was totally normal and fine. Yeah. And looking at it now, I'm like, oh, that was really fucked up and I was ruining my life, yeah. you know? So I think it was really like the perspective is a perspective shift. It was like yeah. the willingness to be like, oh, I might be wrong, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like I'm, yeah. I might be wrong about all of this. This might not be the best way to like handle your problems or direct your life you know and that's really the key is it's the program it, it's different for everybody like her sponsor obviously made her do a step-by-step of giving me a history of your using because she was having a, a problem understanding that she had a problem so it's like okay right. we'll write down all the incidents because for me it wasn't no i've already been right, hospitalized right. i've already done all this yeah. stuff right so for me it was like that was very clear what i had a hard time with was my coping mechanisms you know i didn't know how to live a different way right so for me it was um you know, what, what really called to me was sitting down and looking at all my behavior and how it all interacted with each other. So that sort of, um, was like, was it for me and everyone's journey is a little bit different going through these steps. But the, the whole point of the steps is to really look at yourself and your past and evaluate them and give you a, a willingness. Are you willing to try it a different way? Yeah. Because if you look at everything you've done and you're like, damn, I was fucking on point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you're probably good and you don't need to be there. Right. You know, but the chances are for, for most people, you look at those things, you're like, okay, 
I'm willing to try it a different way. What do you got? Right. And that's what you do. Right, right. You know, you have that willingness to approach it a different way and to try it a, a different way other than your own. And for people that have a hard time accepting a power greater than yourself as far as religion goes, I get that. Yeah. Because some people are like, oh, I was raised Catholic and they shoved it in my face. And now I don't believe in God. Like, okay, fine. Fair enough. But do you think that you're the most important thing in this universe? Right. Do you really think that? Because if you do, you think you're as important as everything else, then you mm-hmm. do, you're going to have a fucking problem. Yeah. But for me, I was like, yeah, there's something bigger than me. Right. You know, something's in charge of all this. So whatever right. that is, that's your higher power. That's what she's talking yeah. about when she says it. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And as long as you can have some faith in that, you can live a better life. And that's and what have you? What's your life been like now since you've sort of done this? It, it it's like way better. Yeah, <laughs> just <laughs> way way better. So I think too, like in doing the steps, doing um like an inventory and mm-hmm. like looking at all the things, like that was really powerful for me when I came in. Was like looking at all these things that I was still hurt and upset about and looking at how they affected me wh- where my part was in things and like there was a lot of stuff from my childhood that i didn't have a part in that i didn't know wasn't my fault like yeah. i had to go through that shit with a, a sponsor and a therapist to realize like i don't need to carry guilt for that no that wasn't, wasn't your that, fault. that wasn't yeah. my fault you know so but i didn't know here i am 23 years old i still don't know if this shit that happened to me was my fault or not you know right. so like i got a lot of relief in my daily life just from like getting through that shit yeah and it's about letting go of things you can control because there's some things where or that you can't control some things it's like you can't control what someone else thinks about you you can't control how what happened to you and when this fucking person flipped out and beat the shit out of you whatever the case is those are things you can't control but what you can control is what you do today so it's about understanding that and taking the power out of certain things that you know used to fucking torment you yeah yeah exactly so Right on. And then um, what's your, like, advice moving forward? I mean, I can speak I'll, – I'll, actually, let me say something. <laughs> I'll speak volumes <laughs> to your character now. We started about the same time. Yeah. You know, I've had fallings out. I've had slip-ups nonstop. Um, I fucked up a lot. I did a lot of what she's saying is just try to do things my own way. Every possible way you could do it wrong, I've done it that way. You know, I've tried to only drink this way. I've only tried to stop doing drugs. I've only tried to stop doing this. And I fucked up every possible way you could think of. So – um, in that I've seen Amelia stick with it and grind slowly, you know, not always the fastest. Sometimes you st- stuck a lot longer yeah, on certain yeah. steps and things like that. But yeah, since then, just your character, your presence, the advice that you give is with confidence. Now your ability to say this will work and this will pass like that kind of stuff. It's just so reassuring. And just the other day I was having a, a conversation with you and you told me a couple of things that fucking snapped me out of my mood. And I was like, well, thank you for helping me. And that's what AA is all about. And you know, although we may be from different backgrounds, you know, or different characters in different points of our life, we can relate so much to each other. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I, I'll just say that, you, you know, it's made you a fucking a huge uh, a friend of my life and a huge influence as well. So, you know, I'm grateful for it. Um, do you, is there anything you would say to anyone that's struggling or? Um, I mean, if, the, if there's anybody that's like listening, that's struggling, like one thing I would say is like you are worth helping like you're worth getting help you know like if you think you're a piece of shit and you fucking hate yourself and you hate your life like there's people who are like happy to help you mm-hmm. and it's like you're not out like we're all fuck. like we all have fucked up stories we all did all fucked up stuff we yeah. all have shame about things so like you're not like beyond human aid like y- like you have somewhere you can go yeah. to like to to be helped and like people will love you and like you'll hate yourself less and less as you go along. And then also uh, something my 
uh, sponsor always said to me was like, the only way out is through. Yeah. It's the only way out is through. You got to go through it. Like if you're like banging your head against the wall, making the same mistakes over and over and over, you got to like go through that shit that's holding you back. You can't run from it. Like you, like you can't skirt around it. It's still there no matter what. So like that, that would be my other yeah, and, and like I was saying advice. earlier, is is sometimes your life doesn't seem that crazy. Amelia's got a fucking very inspiring story, and she's gone through a lot, which is why I like to bring people on here, too, because for me, my bar is set kind of high for crazy shit, you know, because, like, you know, <laughs> yeah. growing up with it and seeing it and stuff. So I like to talk to people where I'm like, holy shit, like, what? That's crazy. You went through that? Like, obviously, I never had an abusive boyfriend, but, <laughs> you know, yeah. I could, like, relate to you and that experience. So it's a different story than mine, but coming from the same cast, but... Some people may just have a good family and they just feel that way. Right. They might have all those feelings and that's where they relate to you. They might not have any of the same experiences, but those feelings might be there. So, you know, sometimes you got to base yourself off that too. But yeah, like she said, there's no reason to, to feel that way. And there's always help, whatever your situation is. And it could always be fucking worse. I guarantee you that much, you know? And, and that's the thing, like, cause I had, uh, I told my friend when I was like wanting to get sober, my friend that's in the program, I I told her, well, it's not that, it's not that bad yet. Like I was like, I have like, I could, I still have my car, I still have my job. Like I have more time, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And she was like, do you want it to get worse? I mean, they have to talk to me like I'm a child. Do you want it to get worse? No. Yeah. (laughs) I I don't actually want it. I'm tired. Like I'm already fucking tired. You know, like you, like it's okay to run out of gas, you know, it's okay to run out of gas and just say, "Uh, okay, I want to try something else now. Yeah, because that's what I was saying. For you, it's such an interesting story because it wasn't, you know, when you came to California, you got sober and that was it. You never looked back. You're like, no, okay, I'm out of this shit part. Let me still try to live with this way. And there's that spiritual aspect that's not there. There's yeah. a disconnect with humanity yeah. and reality. And a lot of it is just understanding that you're not always the answer and your world isn't always the right world. And sometimes you got to step out of yourself to fucking see a bigger picture. And that's really what the program is about is, is helping others and, you know, trying to spend each day to be a better person. And when you do try to be a better person, you take yourself out of yourself. You know, yeah. and you let somebody else lead the way. And that's one thing that um that is sort of a you know, it's it's I always say to sober people like you need AA, but I don't mean you need to go cuz you yeah, have a drug yeah. problem. I just yeah. mean like you need to figure out why you act this way, how you can be a better service to other people and how you can get out of this fucking thought process you're well, in, you know? Yeah, I think the steps are like useful for anybody. That's what I'm like for even me. if you have like uh overeating yeah. or uh Depression. love addiction yeah. mm-hmm. or there, yeah, there's like, uh, there's so many yeah codependency all on there's like so many different types of like 12 step yeah. programs yeah aa na tobacco anonymous heroin yeah. anonymous crystal meth anonymous yeah. um, anonymous anonymous <laughs> yeah <laughs> i got too yeah. many meetings anonymous yeah, yeah. <laughs> smoking i think they Smoke, have a, that's a, what I'm a saying. tobacco yeah, yeah there's yeah, a yeah. one um there's all kinds cuz usually just people that have some type of uh symptom and go into it but Thank you so much for sharing with us. Yes, of course. Well, Thank you, you for having me. You did such a good me. job. Thank yeah, that was you. such a great episode. I'm so glad you finally got to come and do it. Well, thanks, guys. That's all we got the time for today. I um, just want to say take care. Much love. Peace.